Hello, EB Online Church family. Wherever you may be, thank you for making us part of your worship day. And welcome back to our series, Coming Together. It's all about how each of us is created for community, created to do life together, created to be in relationship with others. You see, there is a God-placed desire in each of us to connect with and be connected to others who are both like and also different from us. Because there's something deep within the human soul that says, well, I need to have a place at the table. We want to belong. We want to know that we're in. We want to know that we are not alone. Dr. Vivek H. Murthy, the 19th Surgeon General of the United States, recently published a book aptly titled, Together, The Healing Power of Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. In it, he states that so many of the problems we face as a society from addiction and violence to disengagement among workers and students to political polarization are worsened by loneliness and disconnection. He writes, building a more connected world holds the key to solving these and many more of the personal and societal problems confronting us today. Simply put, we are better when we are together. Perhaps a story that best illustrates this principle is found in Mark chapter 2, there in your Bibles. There was a paralyzed man who was brought to Jesus. His entire life had been spent on a mat three feet wide and six feet long. Someone had to feed him, carry him, clean him, clothe him. Nothing could be done medically. There were no surgeries, no rehab programs, no treatment centers to take him to. There was no way for him to contribute to society. Anyone in his condition had to just go through life as a beggar, be laid on the side of the road, be dependent on people coming by and dropping coins beside him. I know that our culture can be a difficult place for a person with a disability, but in the ancient world, it was almost impossible to survive. The Greeks regularly disposed of newborn infants with physical anomalies. Can you believe that? Aristotle wrote, Let there be a law that no deformed child shall be raised. In Rome, during the 5th century B.C., there was actually a statute that instructed quickly kill a deformed child. Now in Israel, a man like this would have suffered from another stigma. There was a common assumption that if people were suffering physically, well, they must have brought it on themselves. So night after night and day after day, he laid on his mat. Now I'm sure he dreamed. Dreamed of a healthy body, dreamed of walking and running, dreamed of marriage and children. But then he would wake only to see the ceiling of a room that he would never walk out of. He looks at the body that holds him prisoner and at the map that comprises his world. And he knows he will never be free. He had no money, no job, no influence, no family, and seemingly not much of a future. But what he did have, what he did have were friends. He had some amazing friends. And without them, his story never makes it into the pages of Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 2 with me. When Jesus was returning to Capernaum, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they, they dug a hole through the roof. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now here's something important for us to realize. In the face of great opposition, social stigma, inconvenience, financial pressure, loss of time and energy, they choose to become friends. Psychologist Alan McGinnis notes that rule number one for entering into deep friendships is just pretty simple. 
assign top priority to your relationships. Now, ironically, we tend to devote massive amounts of time to making money and running errands and succeeding in our career, but we neglect giving our most valuable possession, our, our time, to building community. One of the most countercultural statements in Scripture is a description of the early church. We're told that the believers in Jesus met together daily, Acts 2.46. They worshiped together. They ate together, they talked together, they prayed together, they shared communion together on a daily basis. You know, we have tried to create first century community on a 21st century timetable. And let's be honest, it hasn't worked. We have attempted to squeeze deep community into the cracks of an already overloaded schedule. But here's the truth. You can't do community in a hurry. It's why the last three months of forced slowdown due to health precautions while inconvenient, they've all been necessary and needed. We've been reminded how much we need to be together with one another. Over 240 of, of you, of our church families, have taken the comeback survey linked to our website. And overwhelmingly, you have said that what you miss most about our church family is the fellowship. It's the connection, the conversation, that face-to-face -face interaction. And it's why beginning next weekend, following state and local health guidelines, we're going to move to stage two of our comeback plan and begin meeting on our campus again. We will meet in groups of 50 to 100 and worship together while watching our online video. And to accomplish this, we're going to use our already existing Bible class structure, meaning we're going to assign our Bible classes times and locations to meet. Depending on your class, you will either be meeting in our auditorium, in the overflow room, or the Family Life Center. Now, these are the only rooms that we're going to be using, so be watching your email and, and stay current with our social media post as we're going to be relying on these digital platforms to relay information about when and where your Bible class group will meet. Now, if you're not a part of one of our EB Bible classes, hey, don't worry. We will have a designated group for you to meet with. Now, I know our small gatherings are going to look different. We're going to be spaced out around the room. Our staff and volunteers will be wearing masks. We will not pass communion trays or offering baskets. We're not going to be having kids praise or, or we worship. And we're also not going to have a staff nursery. We will attempt to practice good social distancing when we enter and when we leave. But we're going to be with some of our friends. We will sing with some of our friends. We will pray with some of our friends. We will take communion alongside some of our friends. And though our short time together, probably less than an hour, will not be what we wished it would, we will be reminded of the importance and benefits of just doing life together. Guys, you can't do community in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn in a hurry with those who mourn or rejoice in a hurry with those who rejoice. And you can't carry somebody's mat in a hurry. And every one of us has a mat. Now, I want you to think about this mat standing as a picture of human brokenness and imperfection. It's what is weird about me. It's my helplessness and my neediness. It's the part of me that I most desire to hide. But it is only when we allow others to see our mat, when we give and receive help with each other, that healing actually becomes possible. Everyone has a mat. Maybe your mad is a temper you can't seem to control. Maybe your mad is fear. Maybe your mad is your inability to trust or ask for help. Maybe your mat is a crushing sense of failure or inadequacy 
or loneliness. You know, some of us spend our whole lives doing mat management. We pretend that we don't have a mat. We appear to be so healthy and strong that the people around us assume that we can walk anywhere that we want to go. And some of us, well, some of us even have the gift of mat identification. We can identify the struggles of others but never admit our own. We become quite good at convincing everybody around that we have strength and competency. But we will never live in true community. Because if you want deep, deep friendship, you, can, you can't always be the strong one. You have to, at some point in time, allow someone else to carry your mat. I realized this firsthand while trying to balance and complete all of my family and work responsibilities, while at the same time trying to be present with Tanya and her family in the days following the death of her father. After learning about Granddaddy's death on a Tuesday evening, Tanya and I quickly made plans to travel to Alabama. Since the kids were still in virtual school, we decided to leave them in Chattanooga until the funeral. So this meant depending on friends to, to check in on them and, and bring by a hot meal or two. I, I drove back to Chattanooga late Wednesday night, collected pictures for the funeral video, attempted to console Emily and Micah, and began packing for the weekend. On Thursday morning, I put some thoughts together for last week's sermon and, and quickly drove to the building at noon to record. Once the recording was finished, I, I broke down in tears, just to be honest with you. Overcome by the emotion of COVID restrictions and tornado cleanup, having an eighth grader that missed out on his last year of middle school baseball, having a senior who would not get to enjoy her graduation, and a wife who would the next day bury her father. Gathering myself, I, I drove home, packed the car, loaded up the kids and the puppy, ran some last minute errands, and then hit the interstate, needing to be at the funeral home for the visitation. We were just approaching the I-59-24 split when a loud knocking sound began to, to vibrate the car. I pulled off at the first exit that I could and performed a, a quick inspection. The tires were in good shape, but something was definitely wrong. We were not going to be able to make the three-hour trip in the car. And so I guess when it rains, it pours, right? So what do you do? Well, I called on my community. I called a friend. In less than an hour, my car was being driven to the nearest mechanic, and I, the kids, the dog, and our luggage were in someone else's car headed for the Bama line. Now, I'm the one who was supposed to do for others. I don't easily accept others wanting or having to, to do for me. But without friends who were willing to watch out for and feed my kids and, and come to our aid when we were stranded, I would not have been able to be present for Tanya when, when she needed me the most. So let me ask you, who carries your mat? Who do you show your weakness and struggles to? Who do you ask to pray for you? Who do you let see your brokenness? Who do you cry in front of? Who do you call when you're stranded? If you want a deep friendship, you can't always be the strong one. You will sometimes have to let somebody else carry your mat. If not for friends, I, I don't make it to Alabama in time. And if not for friends, the man on the mat doesn't make it to Jesus. Text says that they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head, right in the middle of the message, right in front of the host. Dirt and debris begin to fall from the sky. All eyes look up as four sweaty, dirty faces look down through a makeshift sunroof. Now, as far as we know, they don't say a thing. But then they lowered the mat, the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. You know, in great communities, people carry mats and crash through roofs without asking questions. A question like, well, what's in it for me? The focus is on the other, the other that's in need, the, the other that's in pain or distress, the other that needs to get to Alabama. 
a wife who needs to mourn, a graduate that needs to be celebrated. Someone needs a meal. Another needs their grass mowed. Another needs a loan. Someone needs to see Jesus. It doesn't have to involve destruction of property. Mostly it involves just two things, noticing and doing. When you see a friend discouraged, you can write a note or make a phone call. When you know someone really needs to talk, you take the time to listen, even though you're busy. When you see a gift that you know would bring delight to someone else, you buy it for the person for no reason at all. You know, I read this week about the Three Wishes Project that grants wishes to patients who are dying in the ICU at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. The premise and power of the program is simple. Stop asking what's the matter with the patient and start asking what matters to them. In other words, you see a need, you go wreck a roof. The text says that when Jesus saw their faith, you know, usually healing stories speak of Jesus seeing the faith of the one asking for healing. But here it is the faith, not of the man, but, but of his friends that get Jesus' attention. And what did Jesus see? A big hole in the ceiling with four faces peeking through. Four dirty, sweaty, anxious, hopeful faces, each thinking only of their friend and trusting that Jesus will somehow respond. Jesus sees a small group who possess and act on an irrational commitment to the well-being of one of its members. Jesus sees a, a little of what God intended when he created humanity. He sees the length that togetherness will go. He sees friends who love someone that is different from them. He sees a group who, who aren't wrapped up all in themselves. He sees people who believe that bringing a friend to Jesus can have amazing results. He sees faith. And the faith of the friends brings healing to the man's body and soul. Friends, our relationships are meant to bring healing to our lives. But healing only comes when we allow ourselves to be carried. Now, I know it's a very vulnerable thing to have someone carry your mat, to have someone pay your bill, to clean your house, to give you their car. When someone carries you, they see you in your weakness. You risk being dropped if they themselves stumble and fall. But whenever human beings love and accept and serve each other in the face of weakness and need, there is what John Ortberg calls the fellowship of the mat. It's the fellowship that we all need to be part of. We are better when we are together. I look forward to being together with you next week. See ya.